eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You've discovered your link to gopowercat.com's PowerCat podcast. Now, here's your host, gopowercat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to the Questions Podcast, the PowerCat Questions Podcast, brought to you by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. We do it every week here at GoPowerCat.com. We have a lot of fun with it. Uh, unless we don't have fun with it, then it, then we don't have fun with it. But this week we're going to have fun because hmm, K-State beat Oklahoma. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Ryan Gilbert, your trio of happy campers. It's always fun after a victory. It's always joyous. And boy, is K-State Nation in an uproar over a fake uniform design that a fan did, but Coach Van Malone retweeted it, thus giving it official endorsement and making people think K-State's going to wear it. No, people, they're not going to wear it. There will be no other uniforms this season than what were worn last season because the pandemic. And that design was just someone having fun. I didn't mind the helmet. As Zach pointed out before we started, it uses the basketball logo on the football helmet as opposed to the football wildcat that was used in the 60s and 70s that would also kind of look good. Whatever you think. It was a white helmet, the purple basketball wildcat that they brought back this year that I love. And then the uniform, you really couldn't see. It wasn't very good anyhow. I like the helmet. Zach did not like the helmet. Ryan I Gilbert don't. doesn't care. Right? Do you care, Ryan yeah. Gilbert? I, I personally don't care at all about there uniforms go. at all. There like you go. don't care as in as long as they're not naked, it's fine? Or... Yeah, pretty much. Wow. Hmm. Wow. They're I not better things to do in watch life. football. Oh. Is Ryan Gilbert's mantra. <laughs> naked football sounds painful oh you know it's not painful is going to the fridge it's like a jock strap for your liver <laughs> i don't know I I, uh go to the fridge it's wonderful i'm overdue i need to get into the fridge uh just to get some some beers i haven't had my pacificos in at least a month, I've gone without my beer for at least a month because I'm losing weight. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. Or I'm just too lazy to go to the fridge, even though they make it easy. You got an app. They put it in your car. 
<sighs> Our segment sponsors are Tanners and the High Low. Get down to Aggieville. Celebrate a win this weekend after they dispatch the Texas Tech Red Raiders. I went all old school on you. Dispatch. Man, I hope we have good questions. I'm in a good mood. I'm tired. All of us are a little bit tired. Do you think it's because it's getting cool out? Like it's kind of slowing us down and making us like go into hibernation mode. Mm -hmm. Speaking of bare naked. <laughs> uh, okay, let's move on. Here are your questions from Wabash Station and our MC Ryan Gilbert. Before we go to the questions, though, real quick, Tad oh, no. 17 on the uh, predictions thread got it exactly right, 38-35, K-State. So quick shout-out to you, man. That was awesome. That's Very incredible. Impressive. Yeah. Yeah. I even posted the thread late. Like, I was just on the flies. Like, yeah, 38-35 cats. I don't know. It happened. Good for you. Maybe I should post the thread later. Maybe we'll see more success. But also uh, props to Gilbert for actually remembering because I would have totally forgot just like I did last year half the time. <laughs> I have one job, right? That's all you I'm have here one, for. one job. <laughs> oh, boy. That's incredible, though. I would have never predicted K-State winning that game. I just I didn't see any way it was going to happen. And that's exactly what I said the year before. So next year, count on it. I will predict there's no way K-State can beat Oklahoma. Go for the, the triple. Here we go. Here's your questions. First question of the podcast from Kane Ed. Zach, did the press box look like what Fitz describes in 03, where media members had to fever feverishly rewrite their stories? No disrespect to Fitz's take on 03, but, you know, that was kind of a different time as far as writing goes. Plus, it was a night game. You have all those newspaper writers. They got to get their stories in you know, before deadline. And they just kind of got to hope that OU wins the game and be general about it. But K-State pretty much dominated it, dominated that whole game. So, you know, there was, yeah, they might've rewritten their stories, but they at least had some time. This one, I don't know. It's the press box was pretty chill. I'll say that, you know, there's less people there. You know, it's just kind of a more relaxed atmosphere. I mean, it is outside in the stadium. It just, it seems like a relaxing day. But like by the, you know, right, once once OU went up 35-14 and then K-State kind of started coming back, they score the touchdown, you know, they get some stops. You know, there was a point in the fourth quarter where I'm like, okay, K-State has all of the momentum right now. You know, let's prepare that K-State's going to pull this out. I think it was probably early in the fourth quarter. I was like, I think K-State can win this game. You know, I sent out a newsletter once <laughs> Once the score went to seven, you know, K-State was within seven points. I'm like, uh, you guys might want to watch this if you're not. Yeah. I mean, that's just how, how I felt just in the confidence that, you know, K-State had the momentum and they were going to go out and get another touchdown. What's it like watching a game in a press box? You never do that. You're always at field level. It's weird. I actually had a good seat uh, for so for an 11 a.m. game. Most of the most of the press boxes in the Big 12, or at least K State's and OU's, they sit on the west side of the stadium. So an 11 a.m. game, you're going to have the sun coming in, and you're going to want to bring your sunglasses. But I forgot my sunglasses. But lucky for me, I was in the far south corner of the press box, so I had shade the entire time, and I could see the whole field. It was great. Nice. Yeah, that's because yeah, they love us. It's weird sitting in the press box. I'll say that. I miss being on the field. But well, you can see so much more up top. 
Yeah, you can, but they don't want and, you on the field because you just look like a guy that's got a virus. Ah, uh, of course. And and you couldn't wear like those neck gaiters. So yeah. Oh man, is that going to be okay. a fashion statement that sticks around? I know they've been around; they're not brand new, but you really didn't see people wearing them that often. But now I kind of feel like it's the male scarf. We're going to start seeing it quite a bit. Just going to wear my gaiter in the winter, and then I'll pull it up over my face, and I'll keep my neck warm. <clears throat> I don't know. I think I think the pandemic's going to lead us down to this uh, this kind of fashion. Not very manly, if you ask me. But there you go. You seem like a gator guy. Me? Uh-huh. I wear cloth mask. Target. Four bucks. There you go. They're a smart man. Well, yeah, they, out, they, they don't allow gators because they're actually not effective. There was a really interesting study where they they showed that most masks do stop uh, the, you know, the particles, your saliva, lung, respiratory particles from being projected, but gators actually broke them down into smaller pieces and sent them farther than a normal cough. It's like, oh, well, that's mm. kind of weird. So it's just been a bad spring summer for gators. One died. <laughs> Those gators. <laughs> Another one got caught. <laughs> And now we find out that they don't even really prevent the virus from spreading. So there we go. There's that. Next question from Contra Cat. Which player had the biggest redemption from week one to week two? Biggest redemption. I don't know. It's probably Skyler just because he's at the forefront of everything. I mean, you know, people were upset with him, including our own Ryan Gilbert. Uh, after, that, after that uh, opener. And, and you know... Um, he was real. He was really pretty good, particularly when they started rallying. He was making a lot of great decisions. The play calling was great. Um, I'm trying to think. You know that offensive line as a whole, I think, redeemed itself. But you know there were some changes there. Having Noah Johnson back, different left tackle for the most part. Uh, Cooper Beebe played pretty well at right tackle. Uh, yeah, so you can go down the list and <clears throat> and see. You know what, what went right and wrong. Everyone was redeemed after losing to Arkansas State. Let's put it that way. I'll say this. Regardless of any game this season, just blindly saying it, if if you if K-State is down 14 or more points in the second half and K-State wins the game without telling you, you know, without knowing who was on the field, you know, what the situation was, what the team was, Skylar Thompson is the player of the game this year. He plays well from behind, you know, as you've seen in the past, you know, at Texas Tech his freshman year, you know, against Oklahoma State, Skylar Thompson plays his butt off when, when K-State is behind. And it's almost like it gives I, him clarity, you know, he's yeah. got to go do this and stay focused on that. And it's, he almost seems like he's more zeroed in when it's, when it's uh, he's a good rally. chaser. Yeah, he's a good chaser. He's not a good defender as far as, you know, being, you know, going out and scoring points for your defense. You know, he's, you know, he's good. You know, you give him a task it's like, here's, here's what you need to go get, you know, go get it. And, you know, he shows that he does it. So not that I, I'd prefer him to be chasing, you know, double digit leads or deficits, but, you know, he plays his butt off when he's behind. 
Skyler seems like the obvious answer here. Um, and you're right, Fitz. I've been very critical of him, you know, all throughout his time at K-State, but he played a you know, very well game on Saturday. But I think as far as redemption goes, I think Blake Lynch, you could give him the honor there with missing two field goals oh. in the first game. Um, simply they lost it by what, five points, Arkansas State. So he makes those. They probably win the game. I mean, if you want to look at it like that, but he had the go-ahead field goal here in the fourth quarter. So I'd have to give it to Blake Lynch as far as redemption goes. Good choice. Really good choice. Fair. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, they lost by four. So two field goals at six. Yeah, they would have yeah, won. I'm not too good yeah. at math, but I, I think that would have won the game. Yep. We, we actually go into journalism to hide from math. And then we get here <laughs> and realize there's still math. That's just the way it is. Next question from Texas Cat 93 At one point in the third quarter, we were down 35 to 14. How did the team turn things around so quickly? I, I'm mystified. I really am. They, they're down less than three minutes to go in the third quarter. They're down three touchdowns on the road to a really good team. And it's just like they everything clicked from there on out. I mean, everything seemed to work. I think we have to admit that maybe OU relaxed a little bit, and then once you relax and kind of lose your momentum, you're in big trouble because it was all momentum. It it just flipped incredibly, and it, all of a sudden, OU couldn't do anything right. Spencer Rattler had three incompletions through three quarters. Two of them were interceptions, one off a tipped ball, so maybe it was a good throw. It just got tipped at the line of scrimmage. Three incompletions through three quarters, and then in the fourth, he goes four of 12 with another interception to end the game. Four of 12. So I think one of the biggest things that went on is they started to get to the kid at quarterback, and he didn't like it at all. Uh, and they did it with mostly four men. I mean, they really were just bringing pressure with the front four and able to drop people back and confuse him. They, they took away his safety valve out there in the flats and, and kind of covered that up. Well, he just didn't react well. And I think once they saw their quarterback kind of collapsing, the whole team kind of buckled in. I mean, the defense kind of just didn't look the same. And then they had the block punt on special teams. It just all caved in on Oklahoma. And, and credit K-State for just applying so much pressure that that happened. I was I was blown away at how well this team played for 17-plus minutes of that game compared to how they had played, you know, certainly for, through that opener and maybe including the first half. I mean, think about the first half, though. It was only 21-7 to at halftime. Did it really ever feel like K-State was truly out of the game? As good as OU was in the first half, it was still only two touchdowns. K-State's getting the ball on the kickoff. You know, it could have easily been 21-14, you know, with 10 minutes minutes left in the third quarter, you know, for all we know. It just – it didn't feel like K-State was ever out of it. You know, they're – Oh, you didn't punt until the fourth quarter, and they didn't have a successful punt until later in the fourth quarter. So K State was good. You know, it kind of, you know, the intersection, the interceptions, I don't know if you want to call it luck or, you know, whatever it is, but, you know, I, I think the turnovers kept K State in the game and gave them kind of some hope early on. And then, you know, once they were able to get Spencer Rattler rattled, I think Elijah, Lee, or, uh, Elijah Sullivan uh, mentioned that earlier today it was a great pun and i wanted to laugh at it on the on the press conference um but 
I think there was a certain point, you know, when once they score, you know, it's 35-21, 35-28. You know, they're getting into the backfield. They block the punt. You know, the, essentially the turnover margin was was five nothing. You know, if you really want to get down to it, three interceptions, a fumble, and a a fourth down stop, um, plus a punt block. I mean, you know, at some point the the momentum, momentum switched, and then that fourth quarter was just all K State. It was. It was incredible to watch. It was amazing. Big, big win, no doubt about it. Next question from Wildcat Pilot 88. Who deserves deserves more playing time after stepping into play at Oklahoma? Is anyone that missed Oklahoma in trouble of losing playing time? Well, uh, yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, if you're Harry Trotter, you, you know, and I don't think it was because he missed the game. I think this was going to be a natural progression of this team is that Deuce Vaughn was going to start taking more and more carries. But Trotter being out, I'm sure he's out this week too. Um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be hard for him to get that type of playing time back because more guys are going to step up. Um, I thought the secondary was incredible considering how piecemeal it was. Uh, they just played yeah. really good football. And you had two corners that really hadn't played, but they were longer and they did a good job covering. A.J. Parker moves into the nickel spot. I'll be fascinated to see if they keep him there more often. Chris Kleiman said on Tuesday that it was probably just temporary, but, boy, it's hard to deny the results. And then, of course, Jerome McPherson coming back was just amazing. I mean, he was he was so good. Yeah, I, you know, Keon Mosey was another guy that yeah. just kind of popped up. You're just like, how? You know, Justin Gardner, Echo Boydo, you know, a lot of guys that stepped up. Um, you know, they played well. And the other thing is, if you get the guys that were, quote unquote, the starters or the the number ones, and if you have these number twos that fill in and they beat Oklahoma, you know, that's got to give you guys a lot of confidence, you know, just in any, you know, anything that could happen to the defense or even offense. Just it seems there's a lot of positions that guys are stepping up at. They're shining. And, you know, there's no downsides once everybody's healthy. These guys get experience. And, you know, once the, the starters return, you know, you've got a really solid two deep there. So, you know, other than the positions we mentioned, I think offensive line is probably the biggest question mark as far as guys going down. There's still some stuff to work out there, I think. Yeah. Next question from TN Cat. Were you surprised to hear Chris Kleiman say after the game that they would have gone for two points when they scored the touchdown to make it 35 to 34? The delay of game penalty forced their hand to kick the extra point. It seemed like a lot of time left in the game to go for two at that point. Well, obviously they thought they had something on OU, a play that would work. Um, and he was going for the knockout. He wasn't sure if there'd be a chance to score more points. They were on the road. He wanted to go for the knockout. Would I have done it? No. But did I hop up when I saw him line up? Yeah. I'm like, do this. I mean, you've got all the momentum right now. Stick the dagger in them. And um, I, I guess you can argue that the way it worked out was great. They got the delay game, move back, kick the extra point, get the ball back, kick the field goal. Hell, if they don't have a penalty, they score a touchdown. Um, but, yeah, I didn't mind it, and that's not normally me. I was like, yeah. I mean, that was feeling the game and going with the decision, and I think that was in the moment, yeah, let's go for it because we have all the momentum in this contest. And obviously they thought they had something that would work. 
Yeah, I liked the call. Um, surprising to see it, you know, just seeing it like, oh, they're going for two. All right, let's do it. It was just kind of my attitude on it. Um, but there was some speculation before post game that, you know, we kind of thought up in the press box that they they put out a look to go for two to see how OU would line up and possibly force OU to take a timeout. And they had already taken one earlier in the game. They were we kind of speculated that, you know, if they have one less timeout, you know, if they need to make a comeback here, you know, they might not have that later. It turned out they didn't need it, but, and they got the, they got the delay of game instead, but that was kind of what we speculated, but, you know, I wasn't really surprised by them going for it. You know, him saying that, yes, we were going to go for it just because, you know, you have, you have the opportunity to, to win it there potentially if you, you can go back and get a stop. So, you know, I was fine with it. And if you don't get it, there's still at least a, enough time to try getting a field goal from Blake. So I was fine with it. Yeah, I'm with you guys too. I mean, conventional wisdom usually tells you not to do that, but you've got all the momentum. You know, why not just try to take the lead and, and get the win right then and there? Next question from T. Newman 41. Could Leap Duke was excellent in the second half. Is he the best DE on the team? Might be, man. He was phenomenal. He was so disruptive. And then you watch the offensive line and the, you know, the coaches for Oklahoma trying to figure out how to handle both him and Wyatt Hubert because Wyatt was kind of freed up too. And plus the interior of the line played better. I mean, Jalen Pickle, we didn't mention him. That kid stepped on the field for the first time and was really good, really good. Uh, I think the coaches were a little surprised at how effective he was, to be honest, because he was really effective. And again, you know, Chris Kleiman mentioned it. He's not your typical short, squatty defensive tackle K-State normally has. He's got some length to him, and he got up in the passing lanes. Yeah, I, Clay Duke's a man. I mean, folks, he's a sophomore. There's a lot more of him waiting. He's going to play a lot of football at Kansas State. This is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and there's he's not as long as Darren Howard. But his game kind of looked like him coming off the edge. I was really, really impressed. Yeah, the hype about Duke in the offseason was real, and he showed it on Saturday. But you know, whether he's the best or the second best, you got to be pleased at defensive end yeah. with Wyatt Hubert. Might not have had a great game on Saturday, but, man, both sides of that line on, on the ends. I, again, I, you got to be excited for the rest of the season just seeing what that was. I think that, you know, the whole defense on Saturday, they showed, hey, we can still play and we can still play with anybody regardless of how many guys we might, we may or may not have. So, you know, Duke showing up big, I think played a big, big role in giving this boost, giving a, a big confidence boost to this defense. And Boo Massey's been good. Spencer Trussell's been rock solid. Uh, you know, Buddy Wyatt told me last week on the Sources podcast that Spencer Trussell's the fastest of his defensive ends. I was Amazed by that comment. So then you got Nate Manlock back there somewhere, still working to get on the field. But uh, I love his upside as a defensive end. Very, very promising. Last question of the podcast is from a new member, Purple Beef Eater. Welcome to the site. Thank you so much for coming on to the team. Fitz, at the time, what was your reaction when Ron Prince beat Texas as underdogs in his first two seasons? And how was your reaction different to Coach Kleiman beating Oklahoma in his first two seasons as underdogs? 
That's a great question. And by the way, it's not the end of the podcast. It's just the end of the first half. What are you doing Oops. to us, man? Uh-oh. Are you just trying to end this podcast? That's the last question of the podcast. Yes, it's been so miserable. Oh, You're just boy. trying to get out of this. You have <laughs> one job, man. You just got to steer the ship and not like... I've got like three jobs here now. This man, is a lot to handle. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I remember always thinking uh, it just felt fluky with Ron Prince. You know, it. Uh, remember they had all those weird turnovers and they had all those returns in one game down in Austin. Like it just, it always felt like it was more Texas than K state, but it's not like the teams were bad. I mean, he had Jordy Nelson for God's sakes. That guy was pretty good. I think he worked out. Okay. In the NFL, this, these have felt like there's some real substance to him. I kind of feel like they've out schemed Oklahoma now two years in a row with how the offense matches up to their defense and, um, I think you see that there's real promise here that more of this will happen. I, I just feel like there's more substance to this coaching staff uh, than there was ever with Ron Prince. Yeah, I agree with you, Fitz. The, the The Texas wins were fluky. They just you weren't really in 2006. You weren't really expecting K State to go out there and beat you know the defending national champions like they did. And then the next year, it was just. Yeah, another game where you're just like, how is K-State winning this game? And then you look at the end of the season, and that was really their their marquee win. Yeah. And they go 5-7 and seven and miss a bowl game. So at least with these games against Oklahoma, it feels like this, this team and this coaching staff, they're building towards something bigger versus these just being flukes and K-State will go back down. It feels like there's substance here versus, you know, just the the flashy thing that happened, you know, that was the – the highlight of those those Prince years. One thing I miss about it, though, was when Ron Prince would go on his coach's show afterwards in the 10-gallon hat. I mean, that was really, really amazing. What an idiot. I'm going to dress up in a cowboy hat because we beat Texas. That'll look cool. It was always that. It was always something like that with Ron Prince. It was always like a gimmick, a little snake oil to be sold somewhere along the line. And I feel like this is real. I mean, they've got to get more players. They've got to get more consistency. they got to get more settled into the systems. But, yeah, I feel like there's there's substance here that um, they need to follow through with. Texas Tech at TCU, Kansas at West Virginia. That's a pretty available four-game stretch for victories. They really They need to just start stringing them together now and get ahead of steam. We'll see if they can accomplish it. And we'll we'll see if we come back for the second half of the Powercat Questions podcast. Gilbert wants it to be over. I don't know what he has against the second half. I think we're going to have a second half. So if there's me talking after these short advertisements, I won the argument with my employee because this is my damn podcast and Ryan Gilbert's not telling me what to do. The PowerCat Podcast will be right back. 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We now send it back to the PowerCat Podcast. Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions Podcast. I want to start this half off by apologizing to Ryan Gilbert. I called him names in the break. Um, I made him sit in the corner, which is weird because we're not even in the same building. And I could see him because he's in this little tiny studio up on the K-State campus. And he was sitting back there in the corner. Uh, I went I went too far. I'm just going to say it. I went too far. Uh, and I called him a poopy head, which is not appropriate. You should not call your employees poopy head or a four-year-old. You shouldn't call anyone a poopy head. <sighs> The fridge is not a poopy head. The fridge sells liquor and beer and other things to make your party go wee. Get into the fridge so that you can go wee. Wow, that was horrible. Uh, also, uh, our friends at Tanner's and the High Low would really like to see you this weekend. They don't get to see me, so damn it, go in there and say hi to them. I'll be locked up in my basement. I won't be able to allowed to go out ever again because of a pandemic. Now some questions. Gilbert, when we get to the end of these questions, you can say it's the last question of the podcast, but not before. Okay. Not before the last question you get to say the, never mind. You understand. How it I'll try my best. I okay. think I, I think I get it. Okay. The, so this is the first, this is the first question, question of yeah. the second half right here yeah, from power cat Ryan, who has an awesome name by the way, but, he wants to know which unit still needs the most work. Line, offensive line. I don't yeah. think there's any doubt. I mean, they they looked good. They got in a rhythm, but, you know, they could go back to nothing against Texas Tech. So, I mean, if they really settle in and get going, it's going to be fun to watch. But, I mean, last year's line struggled with consistency, and they had a lot of experience. So every game is a different thing, man. It's all a self-contained unit. It just you just got to go take care of business on game day, and then get that behind you and practice and take care of the next game day. Um, we'll see. That line's got a lot of work to do still. Well, I agree. I'll take it a step further and, and pick a different position group, but I think it's wide receiver. I think the the wide receivers need to step up. I know the first game, you know, you were missing Gill, you were missing Young Blood, but this last game. The wide receiver, the wide receivers had less pass passes completed, less less catches than the running backs and tight ends, and maybe that's kind of what the 
what Courtney Messingham wants to do with the offense, you know, a lot more tight ends, a lot more running back passes, you know, that that's going to be the style, so to speak. But when you're Malik Knowles and you're dropping balls like you did, you know, you got to be better. You know, Josh Youngblood, he only gets what one pass that they're like one target. He didn't have a catch. You know, he just had three wide receivers make catches. They had seven catches the entire day. Your wide receivers got to be better. You can't just reply, rely on Deuce Vaughn catching a, a little over the middle pass and him, you know, picking up 40 yards after the catch. You just can't rely on that. Or even Keon Mosey, you know, you just, you got to have wide receivers that can body up, can make catches and can run yards after the catch. That's what's going to, that's what K-State needs to figure out. After the offensive line, it's wide receiver. Get the ball into their hands. And when it's in their hands, make sure you don't drop it. From TDE67, who needs a bigger bounce back game on offense, Youngblood or Knowles? Oh, Knowles. I mean, yeah. I don't know if you could even classify Youngblood as bouncing back. He's never really bounced forward as a part of the offense. I'd like to see him really break loose with a big return, but Malik Knowles needs to become more reliable catching passes. No doubt about it. Um, and he knows that. I mean, that's he's probably not too pleased with what he's done so far. And the thing about it is that when you're a receiver and you make you have some drops, you lose the faith of your quarterback. And um, you know they they still throw to the ball if that's where the ball needs to go. But they probably will look towards other guys, and the play callers will probably look towards other guys before you. Not not a good situation for Malik. He needs to really have a big game. Yeah, I think it's Malik and Skyler needs a, a number one target like he had in Dalton Schoen last year. K-State struggles on third down on Saturday. You can probably chalk that up a lot to Skyler not having a reliable third down, you know, or even just a, a primary target for him like he had in Schoen. So somebody needs to step up in that role, but I, I think it's Knowles. Knowles cannot drop passes like he did on Saturday. That, that one he dropped, it was in his hands. He just needed to scoop it in, and it was a good pass, and it was unfortunate to see. I think if we're playing a team like Oklahoma or something next week, you could make an argument for Youngblood because you're going to need those explosive plays to win the game. But if you're playing a team like Texas Tech, you just need someone solid to come in and catch the football like you talked about, Zach. So I think Malik Knowles is definitely someone who's got to improve his game. You know, we go back to last year, the first game. I think it was the first drive. They went to him three times in a row. Um, that, you know, he's, he's supposed to be a part of this offense. I think they've got a good connection and he needs to get that trust back from Skyler. So I'll go Malik Knowles as well. Another one from TDE 67, who needs a bigger bounce back game, uh, on defense, Hubert or blank. Huh. Um, I don't, does anybody need a bounce back game? No. I mean, we, I'd like good. to, I'd like to see why Hubert perform at a higher level. So I guess my answer is Hubert, but um, I thought the defense was really pretty good. I mean, they gave up 35 points, but that's a pretty good team. Um, and, the, you know, and a big part of that was the offense wasn't giving them any help. They were just sending them back on the field for almost three quarters. And in the fourth quarter, they were marvelous. But, yeah, I'd like to see Hubert raise his level. And now that Khalid Duke's on film – it might lighten the load on uh, Wyatt Hubert a little bit because people are going to be really worried about Duke. He is – he's something else. 
He really is. He's he's very, very dynamic off the edge. Yeah, I think it's Wyatt Hubert who needs the bounce back game, but I don't think he really needs to bounce back as much as he might want him to, I guess. I, I don't think he had a terrible game on Saturday. I think he just, you know, he didn't, he didn't make breakout plays like Khalid Duke did. You know, Duke took the load of making the big plays, you know, making the big tackles, you know, lots of pressure, you know, like you said, Fitz. Now that Duke's on film, you're going to have to, you know, one of them is going to be successful at, at some point. And if they're focusing more on Duke, you know, Wyatt's going to go out and get his. So I don't think that I wouldn't chalk up Saturday to just being all Hubert, I guess. I think that he'll be all right in the in the long run. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Hubert's had a couple penalties too, right? So just getting disciplined yeah. and being mentally there and ready. So I think Hubert's the answer as well. Make a good point on the penalties. I agree. Next question from Eschentix, ESH in Texas, if we're getting that right, hopefully. Eschen, Texas? I don't we don't know. I don't think I can't. I don't remember saying it, so let us know. (laughs) How heavy of a rotation will we continue to see on the defensive side once everyone comes back from injury slash COVID slash whatever? A lot, a lot. I I know they want to be deep at defensive end, or excuse me, defensive tackle, so that they can rotate guys in quite a bit. Um, Linebacker. Still some rotation there, but they like their guys. Defensive end, the back end, probably not as much rotation. But those front guys are trying to rush the passer. They're going to keep shuffling them. That's just what the staff wants to do. It doesn't really matter what position except maybe quarterback. They they want to be able to run guys in and out and not really have a drop-off. I, I appreciate it about it. And, and in a weird way, this COVID situation is reinforcing that. You know, you used to always have to be ready if you're a number two. Well, hell, now if you're number three, you better be ready because you might end up the starting cornerbacks, which is almost what happened on Saturday. It was almost their, their third string gets a start and look really good. So it's it, you better be ready with these coaches because you, you might get thrown in. Yeah, like kind of like what I talked about earlier, I think it's only a benefit now that you have all these guys that are, are going going to be coming back from injury or COVID. And then you have these guys that stepped up against OU on Saturday. You're essentially have double the, the talent now that's experienced and you have a deeper roster here to go from, you know, guys that can absolutely perform. So I think we'll continue to see rotation. And I think it's a good thing. You don't have to focus on, you know, your 11 starters being the total best guys or just, you know, 11 guys that are healthy. You know, if you have, you know, 22 guys that you can just throw out there at any any moment that are capable of beating Oklahoma. I think you can you can beat anybody at that point. Coach Kleiman talked about this on the press conference. Um, you, you know, you never know when someone is going to go out. So having you know the playbooks, having everyone fresh and ready to go um, for when someone does have to go out, because you know there could be a game or two here where everyone's healthy and no one's out from COVID. But you never know when it can you know an outbreak can come out on your team. So I, I'm, I'm with you. I don't know if there's ever going to be a heavy rotation. I think everyone's going to be kind of what we've been seeing, getting getting their fair share of playing time. Agreed. Next question from Email Wildcat 82 Is Texas Tech's offense as good as Oklahoma's or is Texas overrated once again? Oh, boy. I, I think overrated. I think Texas defense looked dreadful. I think 
Texas Tech can score points. There's no doubt about it. But, I mean, they scored more points on Texas than they did Houston Baptist, or roughly. So, I mean, that's just weird. You're in the same neighborhood of points with those two different opponents. Yeah, so K-State's defense is going to have to be pretty good. I mean, you've got to keep the game in a situation where your offense can outscore the other team. And, you know, Tech might have the offense to put up more points than what K-State's seen so far this season. So um, I'm optimistic they'll win. I'm optimistic that K-State's defense kind of found itself in the second half. And it wasn't just about playing better. They were playing with more confidence and faster, and they were hitting harder, and they were just more definitive in everything they were doing, and they had a great deal of confidence. And when you're playing defense, um, that confidence really shows up. And, and it did. They just really looked like they were commanding the game, certainly for the last quarter. And that's the kind of defense K-Staters are used to seeing from their team. I think if that confidence returns on Saturday, I think that it'll show that Texas Tech's offense is not very good at okay. all. If they can get to Bowman and really kind of pressure him and knock him around, like you know, like they did with Rattler, I think it's just yeah. no quarterback likes to be hit. We'll talk about defense here in a sec, but if K State wants to win this game, um, they're going to have a lot of opportunities to score. Um, Tech's offense is a lot better than their defense. Um, Bowman, I mean, he's not an amazing quarterback, but you know, he's impressed me. Um, you know, they've scored almost a hundred points, but they've also given up like almost a hundred points as well. So it should be a good game, but the offense in particular, um, with this question, Texas is probably overrated is the biggest takeaway from that game. Man, how is that true? Every season, how do you get overrated every season? Oh my gosh. Next question. I'm frustrated. From Emaw Wildcat 82, is Texas Tech's defense as pitiful as usual? What do we have to do to outscore them? So far from what I've seen with Texas Tech's defense, they might actually be worse than usual. That now wrap your mind around that. It might be worse than what they've had in the past. That is incredible. I mean, Oh, well, maybe what look, makes them look bad is their offense isn't as good as what it was in the past. So, I don't know. K-State should be able to put up points. They should be able to operate their offense. And if they can operate the offense, maybe it means they have some more prolonged drives and keeps that, their offense on the sideline, not a rhythm. So, we'll see how this all transpires. But I guess if I just needed to quickly sum up Texas Tech's defense, I would say stinky. And that's it. Stinky. <laughs> I think if if K-State can get either, you know, a good running game or a good passing game going, I think that it's not going to take much to outscore them like the question asks. I think, you know, if, if Knowles can make a catch, you know, I, I'm pretty sure last year against them, he had a, a pretty long touchdown pass. Um, so, you know, I, I think that Texas Tech is going to be pretty much standard Texas Tech. I don't think you're going to see anything different or you know worrying about what they're going to show from wildcat pilot 88 is texas tech a good team with good offense that hung around with texas or are they struggling a struggling team that texas played down to i think texas played down i think texas played down but i don't think texas is i mean that was that was awful i mean they had to rally to win that game 
Um, they get an onside kick. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. I don't know, man. I it's entirely possible that the Big Twelve was total trash this season, but someone's still going to win it. Two teams are still going to make it to the championship game. So why not Kansas State and let me see who I can pull up. Uh, Baylor. Baylor. There we go. That'll be the, well. They were there last year, so that isn't that big jump. But oh, uh, Oklahoma not, State. Well, Oklahoma State was supposed to be good. Not Iowa State, that's for sure. I'm not saying Iowa State. Well, you can't make me say <laughs> Iowa State. Well, who do you want? Who do you want that's realistic, Fitz? Because we're going to get some real big stretches here. TCU. That's yeah, it's a big stretch. TCU is going to be a lot better, though. West Virginia is going to rally their season after that heartbreaking loss in Stillwater. But hopefully they had Whataburger for their plane. Do you think, Zach, that they busted the game and then flew back West Virginia to Stillwater? No, okay. I do not just, think just checking. they did that. Just checking. <laughs> I, would, I would even wager that they flew directly into Stillwater and not Oklahoma City or Tulsa. I'm guessing they paid the little extra bit of money to fly their charter directly into town. Yeah, good point. Last question Re- oh. of the podcast. Is it really? It, this isn't really it. It wasn't before. This is it. Is it yeah, I okay. think I got it. Zach, am I correct here? Am I looking at the right one? Uh, can confirm. This there is the go. final question. From Ohio Power Cat. Does the outcome of the Texas Texas Tech game make you worried about this week's game versus Tech or encouraged about the game against Texas? Oh, uh, both. I'm not worried about – I mean, I'm worried about everyone in this conference except for Kansas, but – um, I'm I'm not overly worried about Texas Tech. I picked them for ninth. I th- thought they were an obvious choice for ninth. I had Texas down for third in the conference, so you know, I'm, maybe that's exactly where they belong. But maybe they're more like fourth or fifth, and K State's in there in that mix too. So, no, I think to answer the question more directly, I'm less worried about Texas now than I, Texas Tech is what I thought it was. For me, I'm not worried about Texas Tech at all. And if K-State would have lost Oklahoma and they were 0-2 going into this game, I wouldn't be worried at all. I'd be confident that K-State would win this game. And Texas, that's the last game of the season. That's more than two months away before K-State gets to play Texas. There's a lot of football that could be played or could not be played between now and then. Who knows what shapes up between now and, and then for Texas. Maybe Texas is garbage. And they showed it against Texas Tech. And maybe K-State comes out against Texas Tech and either struggles or, you know, they can beat up on Texas Tech. And and maybe Texas is just that bad. Who knows? But I, I don't think – I think it's way too early to be encouraged or discouraged by what Texas showed on, on Saturday and trying to interpret that into – into what K-State could be. K-State could be 8-0 going into that game in the conference for all we know. Yeah. Unlikely, but it's possible. And K-State, you know, they get the big monster out of the way in Oklahoma. They have a pretty easy schedule from now and, you know, for the next seven games until that Texas game. Through October. That Texas game, that Texas game could prove to be not one of the hardest games of the next eight. So, 
And it's who knows. It's Texas coming north in December. I mean, I that's one of my gambling like underscores when a when a southern a warm weather team comes up into the cold. They don't like it. They just hate it. And I've seen yeah. it happen over and over and over. So um yeah, it's a long ways down the road, but I like K-State's chances against Texas. Gills? Yeah. Not to uh get on your good side because I know you're very angry with me today, yeah, but that's it. I am a lot um more optimistic about that game versus Texas. I know things can change, but um you know, nothing really changes for me with Tech. Was never too um concerned about them still I'm not after that game on Saturday so Texas is I think the odds of us beating them obviously a lot can change but I think that that's going to go up after what we saw on Saturday I hope that nobody tweets us clown emojis after Saturday after listening to this podcast (laughs) we are very very confident in K-State from the sounds of it but I I mean I still I mean obviously two games in it could go either way I I would nope. say I'm not confident in Texas Tech more than I'm confident in K State. <laughs> yeah, that's I, yeah. I think that's a good way to put it, Fitz. I I have I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they could build a CVS in the parking lot so they feel <laughs> like they're playing Houston Baptist. I'm still blown away by that. I mean, just imagine you get a guy injured and your training staff realizes, oh, I don't have an ace wrap. Oh, you can just run to the CVS. Literally, it's right there. Wow, that's cool. You have a CVS card on you today, sir? What's that? You have a CVS card on you today, sir? No, I don't. I don't have one because I don't know. You probably get a discount or something. I don't know. Uh, If they had a Whataburger, like, next to the CVS, I'd probably be a Houston Baptist fan. And I don't even know their mascot. Mm, Houston Baptist... Hey, Alexa, what is Houston Baptist school mascot? I didn't hear her. Huh? I didn't hear her either. I didn't I didn't hear. I think she said it, it was the They're the Huskies. The Did you look it up? I just looked it up. They're the Huskies? They're the Huskies. Are they named after the dog or do they just kind of need to lose a little weight? Is <laughs> it's the dog? Okay, it is the dog. That'd be kind of that'd be kind of cool. Did you know that their first season was only 2013? Yeah, yeah. I did not know that. Well, I didn't know that. I just said yes. No, but I mean that'd be cool if they were the Huskies and like a guy like me could just be the mascot because I'm a little husky, or I could have a rough voice. Uh, I do not go Huskies. I think you're being kind to yourself, Vince. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Well, now I'm mad at both of them. (laughs) Now Zach's got to sit in the corner. That's it for this week's questions podcast. We appreciate the fridge, the high, low and tanners for being our sponsor. And I appreciate Ryan Gilbert doing a solid C minus job reading questions. And Zach Carlson for just absolutely busting me at the end of the podcast. That's the way you end right there. Crap on the boss. I like it. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or 
I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.